Loppy, you're muted, buddy. Dude, it was a stick. Go along with it. it was oh a- my goodness. How am I supposed to know? <laughs> it, wasn't. I just took, it wasn't. I just 100% screwed up, but <laughs> I had to cover it up somehow. Let's start this again. Jordan, play that music. There we go. Now count me down. Yeah, we need the full run in. Got to do it, man. Got to come back from that. Yeah, what is going on, everybody? <laughs> Welcome to the awesome.com NFL strategy show. I'm Dave. Bye. <laughs> Matt's, I'm just joking. I'm just joking. Dave Lochran with Matt Savoca. Follow the man at Draftaholic on the Twitters. Myself at Lafayette underscore D, underscore D. Lafayette underscore D. Easy for me to say. And of course, producing the show, Jordan Klein, our favorite producer here at the Awesomos. Matt, 10 games. Some insane, I mean, truly absurd spreads. Not only is this the biggest bye week of the season, and I would highly recommend checking out our fantasy football channel throughout the week to get you set as so many, I've seen so many rosters with their entire bench on bye, like 10 players on bye for the, it's nuts. Check that Lock, out. You know what the worst thing is though? The, the worst is the people out there on Twitter saying, they're victory lapping saying, if you didn't prepare for this, you you didn't play fantasy football, right? Especially in season long leagues. Idiotic. Some Idiotic. of the best teams in the league, some of the best players in the league are on bye this week. This happens sometimes. This is what we live for in DFS, good old randomness. Exactly. And, and quite frankly, I don't give a shit about bye weeks. If I have to eat it one week and then all of my players don't have, all of my best players don't have buys for the rest of the season and you've got your buys clocking in at weeks 12 and 13, well, you know, come talk to me. Nah, I'm cool with it. You're not, not drafting a guy, Matt, because he might have the same bye week if he's the best player on the board. Stop it. Absolutely. Absolutely. And come talking to me when you don't have Jonathan Taylor in week 14, when you really need a win or a big W in DFS and the Colts are on by. Damn right. Hey, we're happy to have you guys with us. This is always one of the most fun shows to do of the week. Uh, we'll break everything down, every single game in depth. So if you only have one show, at Awesome that you can watch this week or listen to. Maybe you got a family, you got a, a demanding occupation or career, and you just don't have the time, but you love DFS and you want to play every Sunday while well, you're in the right place. Matt, 10 games, like I said, some really, truly absurd spreads this week on top of the buys. Uh, it's going to be a really fun one to break down. Yeah, it really is. And you know what? A lot of times in the main slate, we're not really concerned about the outcome of games, but the outcome of games still affects how players play in that game. Obviously, they influence each other. So if you're going against the grain in one of these high total and high spread games, you're going to automatically differentiate yourself in ways that aren't typically the case when you bet on underdogs this week. So be really, really mindful of those spreads, particularly in the afternoon. We, I feel like we've been saying this all year, but late swap could not be more important if you're playing the main slate with these high total, high spread games. It's important to figure out what you're going to do based on those early games. No question, man. And uh, Jordan, you better not edit this podcast for, for the podcast platform. Just let it rock. Let it go. That's a good start. I mean, come on. Improvisation. Matt knows all about that with his illustrious singing career, right? <laughs> That's right. <laughs> Joey Bag of Donuts, welcome to Team Awesome, my brother. 
Uh, if you're wondering how you can join the team, get the badges, the custom emojis. These badges over time just look cooler and cooler as well. You level up, as they say. Um, you'll get custom shout outs and, and we'll always prioritize your questions and chat and your comments because, well, we ride with Team Awesome. and do that. But hey, if you don't want to do that, it doesn't matter to me. I mean, I think it's cool. I did it. Uh, I pay for it every week, every month. It's like two bucks or something, two ninety nine. You don't want to do that, though. Hit the thumbs up. Totally free. We'll always have free content on the, on YouTube. We're never going to go behind paywall like these other sites do. We have our premium tools and all of that stuff. But everything we do here at YouTube will stay free. And we want to be able to provide you with the best content out there. So as long as you're hanging out and watching with us every day, it doesn't matter. But if you haven't subscribed yet, if you haven't hit that like button. It does help us a ton with the the YouTube overlords, given the algorithms here, the finick, the fickle algorithms at YouTube and all that stuff. It goes a long way. Uh, I promise I wouldn't bitch about it and ask you for likes multiple times a show if it didn't actually make a difference. So appreciate you in advance. I know you'll do the right thing. Matt, let's dive into this, dude. We're starting with we're starting with the highest total game, uh, not only of the 1 p.m. wave of games or the 4 p.m. wave, but I believe this has to be the highest total of the season so far. Yeah, this is almost is like alarmingly high. 57 and a half right now. I believe it, though. These two teams can put up some points. No question. Listen, it might not be 60-plus every week, but in 18, 18 of 22 games that the Titans have played since the start of last season, they've gone over 50 total points. Yeah, and, you know, when you have the best running back in the world right now, barreling down people and you have former players tweeting out that you have to make an executive decision about your own career. If he's at full speed in the open field, that one tackle by Micah Hyde, where he was like fearing for his life. Oh. And he it was, it was just, it was between him and the end zone. And it was only him. We all felt it in that moment. And you know, the bottom line is for a team that relies on their running back so much, the Titans put up points and Patrick Mahomes quietly is putting together a year just as good as that MVP season he had just a few seasons ago. Listen to his overall QB rankings for each week of the season so far. QB2, QB7, QB7, QB2, QB13, QB7. This man is on fire. Currently number one on the slate in points per game. Number two in or excuse me, number four in expected fantasy points per game. I have no concern about Patrick Mahomes, even with this offense a little bit beat up, scoring many, many points against the fourth worst defense in schedule-adjusted fantasy points. That's easier for opposing offense on this slate. So Tennessee, I don't think they're going to have an answer. Their secondary is beat up. If there's one thing I am not concerned on this slate for, it is Patrick Mahomes showing up and putting up points. If this game scored over 70 total points, I don't think either of us would be shocked even a little bit. And I think 35 points is what you're going to need to win this game. What it, you should assume you need. It sure feels like it. That's what, that's what Tennessee needed to beat the Bills, right? Just the other night on Monday Night Football, that game ended up being, what, 34 to 31? I just really, You're going to see a lot of high-scoring games, and we'll talk about Derrick Henry in a second. But first, let's get to, to Mahomes. Well, really, Mahomes, is it's simple here. Uh, since the last update on our top stack tool, Kansas City, once again, highest top stack probability every single week, 23%, and still a 13.2% leverage score, Matt. Even in the value column, they are second 
on the slate. It just goes to show you that no matter the price of Kansas City, and, and I get it, you're not going to stack every lineup with Mahomes, Hill, and Kelsey. It gets tough. That makes a lineup pretty difficult and kind of pigeonholes you into making a lot of the same lineups as somebody else. But, dude, every single week this stack is going to give you massive ceiling and, quite frankly, a pretty high floor as well. Yeah, seriously. And, yeah, it, they purposely make it difficult to get to all three of their premier plays because it is sort of, at this point, a layup or as big of a layup you can have on a main slate to get Patrick Mahomes, Travis Kelsey, and Tyree Kill. And unsurprisingly, Tyree Kill on this slate, he's number two among wide receivers in expected fantasy points and fantasy points per game. Travis Kelsey, number one in expected fantasy points at his position. Our, our projections on Osmo.com right in line with salary-based expectations. We already told you about the bad quality of the Tennessee defense, but we're going to get to this in a minute. The other part of this equation is how bad the Kansas City defense is as well. They've improved a little bit over recent weeks, but they're still one of the worst secondaries in the league, and that actually helps their offense put up points here. Uh, I'm completely fine getting to Daryl Williams too. his projections ahead of salary based expectations. And it looks like he's going to get used in the passing game more than Clyde Edwards Hilaire did. I don't know what to think of that. I know it's a small sample, but certainly noticing it after one week. I'll be honest, man. It's almost frustrating to see something like that, but here we are, you know, Daryl Williams getting goal line carries and all of that good stuff. But yeah, the, it doesn't really matter where you're looking on this team. There's going to be some value. And, and I will say, like, Miko Hardman isn't exactly exciting any week, but he does have 17 targets, 13 receptions, and, and 138 yards over his last two games. It's not an electric player in the sense that he's going to do Tyreek Hill type things out there. But whenever you have Patrick Mahomes, whenever you're in a game with the highest total, probably on the year at this point, and you want to get exposure to this Kansas City offense, as a stack without having to go crazy and spend all of your salary. I will have some me call hard because just given the, the overall competence of this, of this offense, there will be games this season, Matt, and this sets up with pretty good conditions. There will be games this season where me Hardman has himself a game again, not any, there's no, you're not just going to like heap superlatives upon a guy like McCall Hardman, but you can for the Kansas city offense. And if you're a product of that offense, once in a while, like we saw Byron Pringle on Monday Night Football or Sunday Night Football, you're going to see those type of games once in a while. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, we're in lockstep here, and the projections for all of these Kansas City offensive weapons, obviously, it's a big drop after you get past Kelsey and Hill. But all of these players have projections that are right in line with salary-based expectations, which to me is a signal that exactly what you said. If you want to get to this game, you can use any of the pieces that you explained. Hardman, Robinson, and maybe even Pringle down there at 3,300. You could think of worse plays. And one thing, you know, from a broader macro perspective, with so many high spread games and obvious chalk plays in the afternoon, I think it might be advantageous to be a little contrarian in the early games, the 1 p.m. games so that you know where you stand. You have a little bit more information. And if you need to switch off, pivot off of the chalk in the afternoon games, you still have a lot of options there. So I do like a player like Hardman or even a Jarek McKinnon, someone like that, who obviously is a tournament play only, but in this high total game with so many points expected to be scored, don't be afraid of any piece, especially if you're talking about mass multi-entry. 
for sure. And uh, Wes Rich, yes, I will be on the NBA Deeper Dive with Adam Scher. Not tonight, but but most nights. And I'll be back on the NBA Strategy Show soon enough, whenever NFL is over. And that'll be Josh Engelman and myself. We have a, a blast on that show. You guys will want to hang out. But watch it anyway. Adam's on with Josh uh, every day right now. And it's at 10 Eastern. So be sure to check it out if you missed it. Of course, after this show is over, because we, we are prioritized <laughs> here. Wes also asked, and this is a perfect segue over to the Titans, Matt. Should we stop playing A.J. Brown? Well, let me just put it to you this way. A.J. Brown is one of my favorite overall players this week. I absolutely love him. We can talk about Henry. We can talk about Tannehill. I don't see Julio Jones playing. If he's dealing with yet another hamstring injury, maybe I end up being wrong. And if I end up being wrong, then, of course, we can kind of reassess where we're at here. But I, I don't think Julio Jones is going to play. A.J. Brown targeted in a big way last time out it was really the most productive we've seen him and the most involved we've seen him this season particularly after julio went down early in the fourth quarter yes i i think aj brown's probably going to get steamed throughout the week and his ownership will come up but if he's anywhere around the 12 percent right now which really is not high in a game with a near 58 total yeah matt i will have a lot of aj brown this week and i'm willing to to die on that hill yeah man He's really burned me this year because I felt like the breakout game has been mm -hmm. coming. And I don't know why it, the odds are of it happening are any lower now. Well, this is an incredibly talented player who honestly is getting healthy. Although I did see on the injury report, he's still dealing with some sort of non-COVID illness. Um, so I, I, that's something to monitor, but I don't think he's going to miss. I'm seeing what you're seeing here too. His snap share was back up. Uh, inexplicably only playing on 82% of the titan snaps i think they're really just holding him out for uh for passing play actually no at route participation rate he's only at 80 percent uh that might have something to do with injuries but i did see the spike in targets as well nine targets again the first time he's gotten there since week two one in the red zone 91 total receiving yards was this top receiving performance of the year for brown but if you look at expected fantasy points, he's still a massive positive regression candidate. And so in this game environment where we expect so many points to be scored, I completely understand getting here. But it's really frustrating, and you certainly can't play him in any kind of cash lineup like we thought we might be able to at this point in the season. Yeah. So, okay, listen. You're talking about Nick Westbrook, Akina, and Chester Rogers as the other two wide receivers. If you even look back at last season, I just want to give you an idea, Matt, you made some good points, but some just to keep on to that, why I think there's positive regression coming for sure. Has the offensive line struggled to protect Tannehill at times? Yes, but they haven't been as bad as they were earlier in the season. Last year, AJ Brown had a 26% target share. That was still a season where, where Derrick Henry had what, like 387 total touches. It's still a season where you had Janu Smith, who was actually relatively involved and, and led mm -hmm. the team in touchdowns or had eight of them. They had Corey Davis, who was 16 yards shy of a thousand yards and he missed two games. Now without Julio Jones, assuming that, or knowing that AJ Brown had a 26% target share last year, it's a very nice number, even on a relatively lower passing volume offense. Now you have no competition around you, whatever whatsoever against this Kansas city defense. So, I'm calling it, Matt. I think this is the blow-up spot for A.J. Brown. I think it absolutely happens this week. 
Hey, I see it. I see it. The expected fantasy points say the same same thing. Positive regression candidate all the way. Uh, and the Kansas City defense, we mentioned it a little bit, but that metric schedule adjusted fantasy points that tries to contextualize how many fantasy points a defense has given up to opposing offense within the uh, the teams that they've already played. Chiefs well below average, easier for opposing offenses, and lean towards being a pass funnel offense. I'm not concerned with them moving away from Derrick Henry, but I get what you're saying. A.J. Brown should have a lot of chances to succeed here. How about Derrick Henry, man? Watching him just steamroll players and wear defenses down late in the game. We've talked about that so often. Like That is where that guy's bread is buttered, even though he had a long touchdown run in the first half. You're going up against a Kansas City defense, man. Ah, oh, Matt, not good, bro. Not good. The Football Outsiders has them 31st in run defense DVOA. Uh, PFF has them. It's got to be bad. They've got PFF them has at, 32. Yeah, 32nd. 32. By a pretty wide margin. They're allowing 5.2 yards per attempt. They've allowed the second most rushing touchdowns. I mean, through and through, this is just a bad, bad run defense right now. And I don't know how you slow down Derrick Henry. Yeah. Do you realize he did the damage he did against Buffalo on 20 carries? Yeah. Oh, yeah, man. 7.8 yards yep. per carry. He's, Look, I, he's a monster. This isn't point chasing anymore. This is a player that Thank is you. Lead, this is a player that's leading his generation in rushing that's all we're talking about i was looking at this this i use pffs expected fantasy points model when i'm referring to expected fantasy points but there's a couple out there and there's another one that i use for historical data because there's just more years going back and i found this really amazing stat about henry that i want to bring up here so in fantasy points over expected again this is using rotovis's model going back a little bit further there have only been two players in NFL history to play 80 plus games and average two and a half or more fantasy points over expected. It's hard out there for a running back to average over the course of a long career more that many points over expected. Two players, Jamal Charles, Derrick Henry. That's amazing. And Jamal Charles, the all-time GOAT, my favorite running back ever. So I love that company, Matt. Makes me happy to hear it. But hey, it's... it's such a it's a, such a layup it's a little annoying to be on a dfs show and say like hey someone with a casual knowledge of football will play derrick henry this week right. and win money yes but but that's that's the thing though like i talked about this with matt Kajewski and eric linkwitz yesterday on the ownership show when do we get past the point of everyone that is you know quote unquote sharp when do we get past the point of everybody saying well it's a fish play to play derrick henry because he's not a pass catcher like i know targets are worth more than carries but when you're averaging almost 30 carries per game and you are so good that nobody can stop you, doesn't there have to be a point there where we're weighing one against the other and saying, you know what, maybe he's just different? I think he's proven it at this point. Right. I'm not saying you you don't play the matchups, you don't run the numbers, you don't look at the Osimo boom bust tool and look at where he's, his ownership is compared to that. But the idea that he doesn't have the highest ceiling among all running backs is a farce to me. And, you know, it's weird to say Derrick Henry might actually be cheap, but if you look at <laughs> salary per expected fantasy point, so the number of dollars in salary you need to pay for each expected fantasy point that a player has accumulated this season, Derrick Henry is the second cheapest running back in that value metric. 
because he gets so many expected fantasy points, even if it's on the ground. So I, I just, I can't say enough about the guy. I love watching him play. I don't know why you would go away from it other than you're fading him because so many people are on him. And for what it's worth, just to, to, to follow up on what you said, of course, of course, you're looking at matchup and salary and ownership and all that stuff. I'm talking about the people that make blanket statements that any week that anybody wins with Derrick Henry, they're dumb, you know? And I think we've learned over the years, that's just not the case. A lot of people have won a lot of money with Derrick Henry and it consistently happens. So um, yeah, simple enough. Any other thoughts on Tennessee? Yeah, you can play Ryan Tannehill projections right in line with salary-based expectations. As you said, I don't expect Julio Jones to be active if he is. His hamstring problems, we've seen it year in and year out for him at this point. That's the biggest concern is that maybe this lingers. Um, the rest of the Titans, all other Titans offensive players are pure dart throws for large field GPPs. Yep, I'm with you. There's really nothing else to talk about there. But Derrick Henry and A.J. Brown, I like him a lot. I like Hill. I like Kelsey. I'll go to Hardman. I'll go to Patrick Mahomes. There's a lot to like in this game. Uh, and maybe there's some ways to be a little bit different with it, right? It, I'm I'm honestly contemplating some A.J. Brown, Derrick Henry lineups without Ryan Tannehill. And I'm not sure it's the craziest thing, just given that you could see a modest passing production from uh, Ryan Tannehill but so much of the volume goes to A.J. Brown, given who's surrounding him, and then Derrick Henry does the rest of the work. We've seen it work before. This offense, I'm assuming Julio is out, should be so concentrated this week, Matt, that if A.J. Brown had 28 and Derrick Henry had 30 and Ryan Tannehill finished with, like, 15, it wouldn't shock me at all. Oh, I agree. I agree. Something like 240 passing yards, 110 go to A.J. Brown. Yeah, Easy. and two touchdowns go to A.J. Yeah. and two go Let's to Derrick do Henry. It's doable. For sure. A lot of salary, though. Yeah. Oh, yeah. No question. I mean, A.J. Brown's not that expensive. But, right, if you're, if you're looking for runbacks and stuff with a Tyreek or a Kelsey, it's not going to be easy. But I also think that that, that, that setup is going to be very uncommon in, in tournaments this week because of the salary and because you're, you're going with running back, quarter, running back, wide receiver, no quarterback. Anyway. I agree with that. I agree. Hey, what do you think of uh, Washington and Green Bay last week? Washington let me down quite a bit. I know we both were, we liked this, this game and, and Taylor Heineke struggled somehow through an interception that the defensive end or lineman pinned to the, the offensive lineman's helmet and then brought it down. Horrible. I was hoping for <laughs> one final drive for Terry McLaurin. Am I crazy to want to go back to McLaurin this week with Jair Alexander on the IR and then being seven and a half point dogs needing to throw, likely being without Antonio Gibson? Yeah, I don't think you're crazy. The Packers are a different defense here without Alexander, who truly is an all pro at his position. Right now I'm seeing a defense actually right in line with the Kansas City Chiefs in schedule adjusted fantasy points allowed. Now, if you look at PFF, they're a little bit better, the Packers are, than the Chiefs here. But I do see a situation where, especially if that hamstring is a little bit healthier this week, I do think that hampered him a lot last weekend. And I believe we said on the show that McLaurin really was the linchpin to that game reaching its shootout potential. And as you saw, the Chiefs did everything we asked them to, but Washington get, didn't get us there to really push that over what we expected in that game last week. Here, I think the Packers aren't the same 
type of explosive offense. While it's possible, we're looking at a team that is top 10 in adjusted pass rate on our advanced stats tool, but their pace is pretty darn slow this year. They're actually 29th in our adjusted pace metric. Uh, they're really relying on Aaron Rodgers' overall efficiency, and while he hasn't been quite as incredible as last year, I don't think the 29 uh, and a quarter point implied total is crazy here against a Washington defense that currently ranks dead last in schedule adjusted fantasy points to opposing offenses. So I think the points are coming for Green Bay. Let's see what Washington does. No question. Yeah, look, for me with with McLaurin, it's a it's a an ownership play, right? Like he's 5% right now. He's sub 7k. He has a a, a considerable ceiling too. I, I'm pretty sure he's got two games north of 30 fantasy points already this season. He does. He's just been really unpredictable, right? Like this is going to be one of those more enigmatic offenses each week because it's Taylor Heineke. It's matchup dependent. Um, you still have to get the ball to McLaurin and their, their, their secondary options just haven't been very good. So uh, I, I'm going back to this. I don't have interest in like, a, a, I don't really have any interest in a stack for Washington but McLaurin's a guy that I'd like to get some one-off exposure to. Now, maybe I'm jumping the gun on on Gibson, and he does play, but do you think he's active this week? Ooh, man, this is a toss-up at this point. He's not healthy. Not we'll at all. definitely say that. And J.D. McKissick looks pretty darn good. In, in fact, among all running backs right now, and this includes all six weeks where Gibson has been active, McKissick is up in the top 20 or right at the top 20 in expected fantasy points and is scoring 1.1 fantasy points over expectation. I'm seeing that he has a projection right in line with salary-based expectations, but especially if Gibson doesn't play. And we're assuming that the Packers show up against the bad Washington defense and score a lot of points. I think McKissick could be fine here. And I hate to say it because I was off him last week and he hit with that 39-yard touchdown. Ricky Seals-Jones is getting some serious opportunity for a tight end, and you have yes, to consider him at the uh, tight end 13 in salary this week. Yes, I believe you scoffed at me for that on the fantasy football show. Uh, I was wrong. I was wrong. Got to be a man and admit it. I was wrong. I'm probably wrong a lot more than you are. But, <laughs> no, I mean, with, with Ricky Seals-Jones, he is getting opportunities, right? Like, the that at this point it's kind of all you can ask for uh ran uh 36 routes last game I, I don't i don't know how many per drop back but i mean he was on the field a lot and i think from a, a snap count yeah matt this is this is what's crazy to me about seals jones and this is what is intriguing 100 percent of snaps last week 99 percent of snaps the week before and then 93% of snaps a week prior to that, but technically he played, well, not technically, but really he played 100% because he played every single snap that Logan Thomas couldn't play. They're going to keep him on the field every snap of the game. Yeah. Uh, hey, he's getting even more usage than Logan Thomas was getting. They just signed him to yeah. a big contract. It's, it's kind of ridiculous, but I think it speaks to the larger fact that the Washington offense is just beat up all around. You can't sure. rely on Adam Humphreys out of the slot getting big yardage. At this point in his career, he is not Cole Beasley or a really talented slot like that. So you really have to get McLaurin or Ricky Seals-Jones going in the passing game if you want this Washington offense to do everything here. We were talking about Taylor Heineke as sort of a game environment play. I think we may have gotten ahead of ourselves. He's good, not great. It, there are situations where I could see him 
overperforming expectations, but when we just look at expected fantasy points, it's middling. He's at eight on the slate in expected fantasy points, but minus 2.5 fantasy points under expected per game right now. That kind of just shows you that he's up and down. As you said, it's going to be a volatile offense. No question. Anybody else here that, that you want to talk about? And, and let me just point out that if Gibson sits, I very much do like J, uh, J.D. McKissick. I think he'll be heavily involved. I think he'll probably get around 10, 12 carries, but his involvement in the passing game, more so just as an extension of the run for this team, is going to be pretty solid. So, yeah, I think McKissick at 5K will get pretty popular, but if, if, if Gibson's out, uh, I'll definitely have some interest there. Just mentioned Deami Brown's name. Still think that they have high hopes for him. Third round pick in the 2021 draft. And there's opportunity there. They need someone else to step up. Uh, 3.6K on DraftKings. Again, it's more of a game environment play, hoping that he has a breakout performance. Sammy, thank you for the super chat, my friend. The Buffalo War Pigs. Is that right, Jordan? That's what it is, right? Okay. I learn. I pay attention to all of our viewers, especially those that are hanging out. There he goes. See, I told you it was coming. I told you it was coming. Thanks, Sammy. Appreciate you, man. <laughs> On the Green Bay side, Matt, is there anybody that you look at and say, got to have them this week, starting with Devontae Adams against, like you said, a Washington team that in terms of, what did you say, matchup adjusted expected fantasy points or dead last in the league? Yeah, I mean, I'm not going away from Devontae Adams. I'm annoyed. I would have made a lot more money if he had kept that foot in bounds and made it all yeah. the way to the end zone last week. I mean, he's still the best wide receiver in in football. I mean, Tyree Kill might have something to say about that, but projection right in line with salary-based salary based expectations. And when you talk about the amount of the overall offense here, it really is kind of similar to Tennessee. It's not quite as drastic with AJ Brown and Derrick Henry gobbling up a majority of that offense, but I expect that we're going to see Devonte Adams and Aaron Jones used heavily, heavily in this matchup. Uh, Adams actually in expected fantasy points is fourth among wide receivers. Now, of course he's over expectation, but only uh, just under a point over expectation per game. I still see a situation where usually he's drastically outperforming expectation and i don't think it, that talent has gone anywhere so against a bad washington offense i'm still going back to the well with adams so am i how about the backfield any concerns here any interest um yeah a little bit a little bit really aaron jones for me is always a player i have trouble getting to because the usage doesn't quite match up when his salary is super high and his ownership is creeping up towards 15 percent. that's top six at his position um i'm fine getting there his projections right in line with salary base ex based expectations, but he's RB2 in salary and RB5 in expected fantasy points. He needs to overperform or just get more usage here. One thing I will say is running backs who are being used to run out the clock can often get extra fantasy points, but there's that trade-off. There's a concern there that if this is a blowout, they're probably going to run A.J. Dillon. We've seen it before, right? This is kind of tough for me because there's just the volume. Aaron Jones has still been good this season. And obviously he had that one monster game against Detroit with three receiving touchdowns. Like this isn't to say that there isn't plenty to like about Aaron Jones. Okay. I get all of that hundred percent. He's still, and this might surprise people. He's still the RB six 
in PPR formats on the year. And he's two points out of being the RB four. So that's what you're getting from him. But, oh, and, and another thing too, he's still what 11th in, in carries, but Matt, I don't love the fact that this team runs as much as they do. And they want to give AJ Dillon opportunities because Aaron Jones floor and ceiling would be so much more appealing if AJ Dillon didn't have, what does he have? 23, he has 34 carries over his last three games. Here's the thing that concerns me about fading Aaron Jones. So we get to a point in the second half of this game, Green Bay is blowing out Washington. And sure enough, AJ Dillon is the primary running back in the fourth quarter, running out the clock, getting four or so yards of carry. It will, there's a good possibility that Aaron Jones scoring sure. three touchdowns was the reason they got there. Yep. So I'm not going away from him entirely. In terms of running backs on this slate, he's third in points per game, second in salary, and he's second among running backs in our projections. We're not saying we're fading him. We're saying there has to be a bit of expectation that there's a downside here as much as there is upside. Yep, agreed. And, and honestly, I was surprised that his ownership was coming in north of 14%. I, I thought yeah. I'd be getting some contrarian Aaron Jones this week, but that doesn't seem to be the case as of now. So we'll monitor that, no doubt. And of course, go to Awesomeo, check out the tools, ownership, uh, ownership player projections, boom bust tool, top stack tool, the lineup builder, the fantasy cruncher add-on outside of fantasy cruncher, which, you know, all, some most of the greatest players out there use fantasy cruncher to, to, to generate their lineups. All of these tools at Awesomeo are built by Alex Baker himself. Awesomeo, you know him, number one ranked player out there. He's won millions using these very tools. Uh, and because new sports are starting, we always want to give you an awesome promo. That promo, Curry, C-U-R-R-Y, all caps. The, the fella out there in Golden State, yeah, the, the, the good playing basketball player that I believe triple-doubled in the first game of the season. I think he did, right? I don't I can't, I can't sure. remember, man. Everything's just mixed up in my head these days, Matt, trying to juggle two sports. Either way, he's good. That's the promo code. Go to awesomeo.com slash promos. Jordan will put it up on the screen as well. You'll get half off Awesomeo Plus Platinum Weekly. That's all those tools I mentioned, not just for NFL, for NBA, MLB, still happening, uh, MMA, NASCAR, PGA, everything. Esports, if they have contests, we've got content for it over at awesomeo.com. Use the promo code Curry. Get your half off Awesomeo Plus Platinum. Everything on the site for the week, 50% straight off the top. And be sure to join our Discord. We just moved over there. It's our premium Discord where we have, you know, the uh, the Office Hours channel, especially where pros from Awesomeo help you better your lineups. You can answer, ask them questions, and they'll help you out. There's just everything you need for DFS. We've got it. Use the promo code Curry. All right, Matt, um, where was I? What was I even talking about? <laughs> we were finishing up on Green Bay. I think we were pretty much done, but I, I do want to mention Robert Tunyon. We do like to target low salary tight ends who are huge home favorites. They correlate very strongly, and he's tight end 15 in salary, 3.5K on DraftKings. Projections a little bit higher than those salary-based expectations. Obviously, you're hoping for a touchdown here, but in this game, this high implied total environment, I'm fine going there for a salary saver. Sammy Telesco, I'm the best 56-year-old ice hockey player, roller street road floor hockey in the world. Now it's the broad street hooligans. I don't know, man. When I'm 56, I think I'll still have it. 
I had two hockey games this week, Matt. And let me tell you, even at 34, you get, you get tired. We, we had three guys not show up. We had one rotate, one, one sub on offense and defense. Oh, brutal. Oh, that's brutal. The, the one, the games where no one shows up and you're stuck and you're like, well, I drank all last night. What am I supposed yeah. to do now? <laughs> Bunch of assholes. I did eat two slices of pizza on the drive to the game, which probably wasn't wise, but they were delicious. Oh, you're just carving up, man. Yeah, you knew exactly. what you needed to and get into. Now, the worst, though, you know what the worst is? You're playing and you're like, all right, I'm good. I feel fine. You get into like the mid-second period and then you start to get those pizza burps coming up. Or like if you had lasagna <laughs> yeah. or meatballs or spaghetti, you know what I mean? You start mm -hmm. to get that coming up, that acid reflux, and you go, oh, bad decision. Trying to yeah. chug it down with water, but it doesn't mask it. You guys know what I'm talking about. Atlanta, Miami. Let's talk about the Atlanta Falcons on the road, two and a half point favorites against the Miami team that could be without Brian Flores if they drop this game. I was such a big fan of his. It's just disappointment to see what's become of him. 47 and a half point total. Ridley expected to be back. You've got Pitts. They're coming off a bye week. Are we looking at anybody here in this, any skill players, including Cordero Patterson or even Mike Davis? to trounce this Dolphins defense, Matt? Well, the Dolphins defense was promising to begin the year, and their secondary isn't terrible. But in that metric that I've been referring to a lot today, schedule adjusted fantasy points allowed, they're second worst on the slate. That's easier for opposing offenses. And yeah, it was good to see Atlanta kind of show up in a way that we didn't know they were able to do in London before their bye week. And for all of you who drafted Kyle Pitts in your season-long leagues or played him in DFS prior to that London slate, you played him because he was capable of having games just like that. Now, Ridley was out. We have to con contextualize it, obviously. But still, Pitts is a player who showed that unlike many tight ends in this league, he actually has 20 to 25 fantasy point upside when the matchups are correct. He was unstoppable in week five. It was awesome to see. And quietly, ever so quietly, we're seeing the resurgence of the pass-happy Matt Ryan, which I'm very happy to see. 46 pass attempts in week two, 42 pass attempts in week four, 45 pass attempts in week five. I think the only way forward for this offense is through the air, which is why we're seeing Cordero Patterson utilize so much more than Mike Davis because he's way better in that hybrid role out of the backfield. Patterson, what can you say about him? 5.2 fantasy points over expectation. That is second among all running backs on this slate. I know the projection isn't so good compared to salary-based expectations, but I still really like him. Maybe because I like the player, but I think he's a fine play at 6,300 on DraftKings. Would you say you have any priority options from, from Atlanta this week? Um, I think Calvin Ridley is one of the biggest regression, positive regression candidates in the entire league. If you look at expected fantasy points, I know I talk your ear off about this, but it's because it's a volume metric on a scale that we can all understand. I think that's one of the most valuable things we can talk about. His 20.5 expected fantasy points means he's getting the third most volume in terms of fa fantasy points that any wide receiver on the slate. And right now he's at six fantasy points under expectation. This isn't a player who lost all their talent. He's getting, he has the same quarterback. Yes, Julio Jones has an effect here, 
but I see a huge game in Calvin Ridley's future, and I think it could happen here. 27% target share in the games he's played, almost 50% of the team's air yards. Like, it's coming. I'm with you. But that's how I feel with A.J. Brown as well. I think it's coming with A.J. Brown, albeit a, a lower passing volume offense, but also there's no Kyle Pitts there. There's no Cordero Patterson. So both of these guys have things working in their favor this week. I like Calvin Ridley, and I think this might be the cheapest you get him at all season. If Calvin Ridley pops off this week, he's not going to be 6,600 again for a while. I can assure you of that. Yeah. How about Miami, Matt? We're still waiting, excuse me, on news for Devontae Parker, uh, limited on Wednesday's practice. So that's, you know, good. He could play, but Jalen Waddle is the real – the, the real tough guy to gauge. He, he is the only player, the only player this season with any actual form of targets. I'm not talking about like three target player that has a lower a dot than Jalen Waddle is Rondell Moore at like 2.4. Jalen Waddle has a four yard a dot on the season. He's getting a ton of targets. He's been targeted 13 times in two of his last four double digit receptions in two of those last four as well. Two was back in the mix. And he did score twice last game, but my God, the way that they're using him just really is not conducive to breaking off big plays unless he's doing all of it on his own after the catch. Yeah. Yeah. That is definitely true from a fantasy football perspective, from a real football perspective. This is very interesting though, to me, because as you mentioned, a dot is really a measurement of how a player is used. It's not good or bad. If it's high or low, it's how they're used. So what we're seeing here is these, very electric hybrid players who have very low average depth of targets. They're almost used as a running back plus. And I think for real football, that's really exciting to get these players open in space, but we are going to see a lot of variability in their usage and their per target efficiency is going to drop a little bit, but still I can't deny he's had 13 targets in two of his last four games, Yeah, you know, and, and six targets in, in one of the other ones. So this is a high volume player who found the end zone twice as well in full PPR, where you get that full point on each reception. I don't know why you would be against him. Yes. The touchdown upside is going to be volatile here, but he's still my favorite player among this group. I mean, I'm kind of done with Miles Gaskin, even though like the numbers look okay. Is he really going to produce a ceiling score that you really need in tournaments? I guess we have seen it once against the Buccaneers this year, but the Falcons, they lean towards being a little bit of a run funnel. I still think Cordero Patterson, that's where I started. And I, I think that might still be my favorite other than Calvin Ridley. Without the touchdowns, though, we do need to see more. And, and you're right about what ADOT is, is, is suggesting. It's not, or what it's showing, it's not good or bad, but it is bad if you're not getting yards after the catch, right? So, like, Rondell Moore is second in the league in yards after catch per reception among all players with at least 20 targets with 10 and a half. Jalen Waddle right now is uh, 59th at 4.6 this is not to suggest that a top 10 pick and rookie can't fix that at all i just want to see him do that and hopefully he'll continue to get peppered and he'll be able to break some off uh, and use his own skill to do so because they're clearly not doing it for him but yeah we'll see i mean that, that is but you strange. know it's really tricky you mentioned that stat but volume 
is still king in fantasy football. If yes. you total it all up, yep. his 166 yards after the catch right now is 13th among all wide receivers. For sure. Yeah, exactly. But the volume is going to need to be there. That's all. That's absolutely true. So, yeah, we'll see. But no, you're right. He, he 13th uh, among all receivers. Rondell Moore is like stupid, 251. But a lot of that came on that one big play as well. So, yeah, if right. you can get that. And and PPR as well. If if the PPR production is going to be there and you're giving me eight to ten receptions, it doesn't matter. All I'm saying is I think Waddle still has a relatively low floor right now uh, because I can't guarantee he's going to see that many looks, especially if Devontae Parker returns. But besides the point, Matt, what are you doing with Mike Gusecki, uh and the rest of this offense? Yeah, happy to see Kaseki have uh, a solid game here, and he does look like a favorite of Tua Tagovailoa. I will say is. Tua going to be the quarterback. There's all these rumors swirling about that Deshaun Watson could be on the move. I know they were smushed a little bit at the end of the day, but hey, I saw what I saw on the interwebs there. <laughs> um, I'm fine with him. Salary-based expectations at tight end seven aren't that high, and his projections right in line with expectation. <laughs> and he's tight end seven in expected fantasy points on the slate. So there you go. He's directly in the center of our feelings about tight ends. Pretty meh in general, but the ceiling is there as he showed. It's possible. Okay. I can dig it. You know what else I can dig, Matt? Prize picks. Because, well, prize picks <laughs> has a format that you're going to like. That's simple. If you weren't going to like it, I wouldn't talk about it. And if I actually, I would because I'm forced to do reads, but I wouldn't actually show any enthusiasm, right? I would just kind of mumble through it as if, it's great when it isn't, but I actually think prize picks is pretty cool. And everybody that plays there that I know of has really enjoyed it and made some decent money there. It's a great way to build your bankroll. It's a great way to avoid, you know, optimizers and sharks and all of that stuff. But I also love the fact that you can take all of the research that you've done throughout the week, all of the shows that you've watched and, and parlay all of that knowledge into, um, into prize picks. And I think it'd be easy for me to just tell you that these are daily prop based contests and it's kind of like parlays, but there's one significant difference that I was kicking myself for somehow not mentioning before when I did these reads, you play two, three, four, or five player lineups. So player prop lineups, there's no juice on these odds. It's just yes or no over or under. Right. And unlike a traditional parlay where you do like a five prop parlay or a five leg parlay, sorry, if you don't hit all five of those, even if you go four or five, you hit 80%, you still get nothing back. At prize picks, that's different. If you hit four, you're still profiting. If you hit three, you're still either profiting or making some, a, a lot of your money back. That is the hugest difference from these traditional books, where if you hit, miss one of five, you're done. You get nothing out of it. So, I mean, there's such a good way to consistently build your bankroll. And then when you do hit on those big ones, on those four for fours or five of fives, you're up to 10xing your money. It's a win-win over there. And I love that feature in it. You play baseball, basketball, WNBA, NFL, esports, whatever it is. They have an insane array uh, or menu of sports over there, like cricket and disc golf. For those of you that know anything about it, I personally don't. But you can swap them. You can do five-player prop lineups with all different sports. Just seriously check it out. Use the promo code AWESOMO. You'll get an instant deposit match up to $100. AWESOMO. Use that when you sign up. A-W-E-S-E-M-O. 
Go to prizepicks.com, download it in the App Store or the Google Play Store. Check it out. I think you will thoroughly enjoy it. All right, Matt, let's keep this train rolling. We've got Cincinnati and Baltimore. Oh, I'm sorry. Do you have a prize picks? Do you have a prop? Oh, yeah. Matt Stafford over 286.5 passing yards. He's about to go absolutely ham on that Detroit secondary. Love it. I'm going Alvin Kamara over 74 and a half rushing yards. The volume he's seeing on the ground this season is absurdly high, by far the highest of his career, not even close, really. The efficiency will come in time. Seattle's offense is going to stall out without Russell Wilson. Give me over 75 and a half rushing yards or over 74 and a half rushing yards for Alvin Kamara. All right, back to these games. Let's talk about Cincinnati and Baltimore. Bengals six and a half point dogs in Baltimore, 46 and a half point total. Baltimore's looking much, I don't know, I feel like they've been revived and, and rejuvenated since that overtime win against the Colts, Matt. It, they just beat the shit out of the Chargers the other day in what was supposed to be a marquee matchup. I'm not saying that's happening every week. There's a ton of parody in the NFL. Any given mm-hmm. Sunday, one might say. But Cincinnati this week is one team that I'm lower on than I have been in recent weeks. Where do you go with the Bengals? With the Bengals specifically, I mean, this is a simple answer, but this really goes on the ability for Joe Burrow to be efficient. The Ravens defense, I completely agree with you, is sudden, has suddenly clicked, in my opinion, at least over a one-and-a-half game sample, really since they came out of the locker room in the second half against the Colts on Monday Night Football. But Joe Burrow, you got to give credit to him. They've had to throw a lot less this season because Burrow, on a per-pass basis has been absolutely fantastic this season. Right now, he's five fantasy points over expectation per game, is number one amongst all quarterbacks on this slate. Now, still, in expected fantasy points, he's kind of middling, QB 17, which puts his points per game just inside the top 10. But really, it comes down to that ability to be efficient. And it certainly helps that you have players like Jamar Chase, who have been insanely efficient. Let's talk about touchdown rate and stats like that that are usually highly volatile. I mean, this guy looks like a true alpha in the NFL, and we're already seeing him at wide receiver 12 in salary, but his projection is right in line with salary-based expectations. Now, I'm seeing him as the wide receiver 26 in expected fantasy points, so there is a little bit of concern there. But if you're talking about what we actually do with Cincinnati, if we believe that Lamar Jackson and the offense have clicked, we're either playing this if we're if we're really targeting this game as an onslaught where the Ravens just run over this team. But I actually think how I'm doing it is I'm trying to get one of these pass catchers or Joe Mixon, who is also involved in the passing game, as a run back option. That's my favorite way to play it. Okay. Jamar Chase has been ridiculously good and ridiculously efficient. There's no question. Uh, on the Baltimore side, You've got Lamar, you've got Rashad Bateman, who, yes, you know, Matt Kajeski and I talked about this yesterday. I, I will be taking some shots on Rashad Bateman. I also have a bet with Eric that he will not be over 10% owned in tournaments in the Millie this week. Bateman? We'll see. I said, well, 10 is a push. Below 10, I win. Above 10, he wins. Where do you think Bateman's going to come in? In the Millie. Ooh. And you think it's because of that high target share and the fact that they have a high total this week, so it could it could pop. 
I think he's going to be under 10. No, I think, I think he's going to be under 10 too. I don't know. Yeah. I don't see, I mean, but I'm leaning heavily on our projected ownership, which is 5.9%. I don't know why you would almost double that in the million unless I, I'm over or underthinking the strangeness of that particular tournament. Yeah, I think just the notion that, you know, ownership projections are all, are in flux and they change and they become most accurate leading up to lock. But I don't know. I think there's enough people that'll just be kind of hesitant to get there, given that he's only played one game. You know, what do we know about this guy? But if I'm going with like heavy Tennessee and Kansas City stacks where I'm spending a lot of money, Bateman played 63% of snaps in his first game. It's not like he wasn't involved at all. No, he was definitely involved. Uh, am I confident in him? No, he's got a super low floor here, but I'm not, wor I'm not scared of the, I I'm, I'm far from scared of this defense for the, for the Cincinnati Bengals. And I think ultimately if you need to get somebody with, you know, decent value, I'm all right getting there. He ran basically as many routes as Mark Andrews last week, only seven less than Marquise Brown, and they drafted him in the first round for a reason. So I'll have a little, I'll have some sprinkles of Rashad Bateman and some expensive lineups, Matt. What are you doing with the Baltimore Ravens? I mean, I think that is why stats like expected fantasy points are so valuable because in a one-game sample, when the production from Bateman wasn't actually that high, Using the scale of expected fantasy points, we see 10.9 DraftKings expected fantasy points. That's 29th, tied for 29th among all wide receivers. But now let's compare it to other players on the slate. Tyler Boyd, wide receiver 34. T. Higgins, wide receiver 25. Jamar Chase, wide receiver 26. So ultimately, what we're seeing here is a player who has salary way below the opportunity we already saw. So I totally understand and seeing it as a savvy tournament play as well. I still think Marquise Brown is really interesting though at wide receiver 11 in that same expected fantasy point stat and still wide receiver 16 in salary. I know the projection doesn't look quite so good, but I do think that I actually prefer Brown over the secondary pass catchers beyond Jamar Chase a little bit in this matchup. What do we do with the backfield? I'm not sure. So I'm going actually with the certainty of Brown. I'm fine playing Andrews, but when there is Kelsey on the slate in a tournament, I'm either going way down or way up. I'm not saying I wouldn't go there, especially in a stack, but Marquise Brown is my favorite pass catcher. And then finally, what else can you say other than he's been incredible about Lamar Jackson? Just a fantastic, just a fantastic season right now. QB1 in our projections, QB1 in expected fantasy points he's a monster he truly is and at this rate if you want to play lamar jackson just continue rolling him out there we do have him with a, we do have a, a baltimore stack with a negative leverage score but a lot of the i, I think that the lamar jackson can kind of break that 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 score sometimes because there's going to be a ton of naked lamar jackson like a lot of people are going to probably run Lamar Jackson on his own. You're not going to see as many heavy stacks uh, with him as you would with like Mahomes, who a lot of people are going to run with two starters. That's why to me, it, it, it's, it's a little bit, it's a little bit different with him looking at that leverage score than it would be with some other teams. All right, Absolutely. Matt, we got Carolina and New York giants. I'll be straight with you. This game only has a 43 point total. But Chuba Hubbard is, has been the clear lead back here. I mean, it's not even close. 88% of running back carries since Christian McCaffrey went out. 
on the season. He's out targeted Royce Freeman, 19 to three. I know Freeman ran 10 routes last week, but I'm really not worried about that. Trooper Hubbard for all intents and purposes seems to be the guy this week. Uh, I don't even mind if we cover this game uh, in one big shot because on the other side, and I just wanted to combine these two, Devontae Booker is in such a similar role to Truba Hubbard in the sense that if that game wasn't a blowout last week, first of all, Booker's playing 90 plus percent of snaps again, and he's getting almost all of the touches. Elijah Penny's not getting that touchdown. It's Booker. Booker didn't play in the fourth quarter. Last year, Wayne Gallman was a top six running back when he was a starter in New York. They might not be a good team or a good offense, but they are going to use uh, Devontae Booker a ton, and he's going to run a ton of routes. So both of these running backs this week, man, I'm not saying these are good teams. I'm not saying this is an explosive, high upside game overall, but I like, I think the volume alone, I mean, both of these guys, if both of these guys saw 20 plus touches, I would not be shocked. Absolutely not. And you know, what's really interesting too is when you have running backs in the salary range, 6,100, 5,500 on DraftKings, you can go there, even though they're a little bit chalky because everyone sees the value, but then you get to go up to all of these high-end players at the other positions and you actually can get some differentiation there. There are plenty of high-end quarterbacks to choose from. There are a couple of high-end tight ends. There are plenty of incredible high-end wide receiver options where having two feels really good. So getting that security, that volume in a game that, yes, doesn't have as high a total as others, but that means that it also has a higher or an easier way, an easier avenue to going over its Vegas total. If it does, and you have those running backs, you're getting all that those touches and those wide receivers hits, that's a formula for getting to first place in a tournament here. So absolutely fine with either running back, simple volume plays, the expected fantasy points compared to salary right in line. Sam Darnold, he's slowed down a little bit in terms of his efficiency, but still the rushing upside near the goal line is undeniable. Still sixth among all quarterbacks on the slate in expected fantasy points, performing slightly under expectation, I will say. And then DJ Moore. I mean, we're we're just watching a breakout and i know we've had two down games from him recently but he's still wide receiver five and expected fantasy points and a positive regression candidate having scored just under that expectation per game one person i'm almost about to cancel though is robbie anderson talk about a fall off from one year to the next thousand yard receiver we just need him to do a netflix stand-up special and he'll be gone in no time oh no right 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 he staged um, the walkout Anderson, yesterday, Matt. He did? No, the Netflix employees oh. staged the walkout over Dave Chappelle. It was hilarious. Oh, boy. Yeah. Oh, boy. Anyway, go um, ahead. I'm just yeah. saying, if you want to cancel him, we can think of some options. Oh, there's the formula. 2021. Uh, Anderson is just, I guess he's at 4,800. Wide receiver 29 on this slate, but his projection is below salary-based expectation. Terrace Marshall hasn't had that breakout game that people we're really thinking of. And on the Giants side, Darius Tony's probably not going to play. Sterling Shepard is back, which is probably my favorite play. And if you want a big play option, I don't know, roll a dice, play Darius Slayton, John Ross. I mean, John Ross had zero points last week after actually doing something against the Saints. But really beyond Booker, 
The only person I'm thinking of playing is Sterling Shepard, and it really doesn't feel good, but the numbers say I can do it. 11th in expected fantasy points and 17th in salary at his position. That means he's a value. Just not excited to go there. I don't have anything to add there. I, I agree with all of that. I, I do want to add one thing on Devontae Booker, Matt. I think 55 is, is dare I say, way too cheap. Maybe, maybe I, okay, I, I'll be careful with that. I don't want to be hyperbolic, but I think 5,500, given what I at least expect his workload to look like in a competitive game, they were down by 35 points last week. He still saw 16 touches in down by 35 points. The Carolina Panthers, do you know how many yards they've allowed rushing over the last three games, Matt? Hit me. 534. Okay, that's a lot. That is more that's than 16. That's more than six teams have allowed on the season. Okay. Oh so if, if people go and look at Carolina's defense and they go, yeah, but man, their run defense isn't that bad on the year. Okay. They allowed 45, 48, and 42 yards rushing over the first three games. That was against Mark Ingram and the Houston Texans. It was against New Orleans, who entirely abandoned the run. Alvin Kamara had like six carries in that game. And then against the New York Jets, who were running Tevin Coleman, Ty Johnson, and a first game ever, Michael Carter. So, yeah, they've been annihilated. They've been the worst run defense in the league over the last um, three games. And I don't know if it's going to get any better for them. They've been atrocious at being able to stop the run lately. Yeah, Devontae Booker, 5,500 to me, just seems like a great price point. You know what? I did not notice that. Yeah, Carolina, over their last three games, dead last in the NFL in yards per carry. And looking at that stat, salary per expected fantasy point, Devontae Booker's in the top 12 or tied There you go. Yeah. 5,500 is too cheap at home. All right. uh, let's, Let's keep it going here then, Matt. New York Jets, New England. Jets getting seven and a half in New England, 43 point total. Um, I mean, fun one, eh? I, I don't I don't really know what you intend on doing here. Zach Wilson has he's looked lost at times. He's young. You don't give up on the guy, but you know, a lot of these rookies have not played particularly well, and Zach Wilson is clearly one of them. Yeah, I think um this is an early candidate for a game with no touchdowns. I'm not saying that's the most likely <laughs> outcome here, but if it happened, I wouldn't be surprised either. Yeah, Zach Wilson, clearly some growing pains here. I would like to see them just see what they have in terms of their young receiving options. I know Corey Davis has been okay this season in terms of comparing expected fantasy points to salary. He does look like a solid value, but I would really like to see what they have in Elijah Moore even see Denzel Mims on the field just so that they know what they have. We saw what kind of a spark Kadarius Tony was able to give to the Giants offense. Uh, Not saying that every rookie first or second rounder is going to play immediately like that, but really what you're doing with this Jets offense is you're playing the defense that goes against them right now. That's where they're really excelling is helping your defense get to greater heights here. I'm not excited about Michael Carter, even though he's the running back 24 in terms of salary here. Um, Man, I I guess you could get a Jamison or two touchdown game. It happens. He's the one who is the most likely to get high target volume, but just nothing excites me here. The idea of the Jets producing a tournament winning score is just so low here. It's such a low problem. It really is. Sammy uh, says, I forgot to tell you, Lafayette, I used your target and avoid videos when I drafted my uh, the puppy on underdog and the $10 leagues. 
Run the dog. I'm killing it. Thank you. You're welcome. And there was also a comment from Chris towards you, Matt, said, wanted to thank you, Matt, for putting me on last week. Came in first in a tournament because of your article. Much respect. Had two a captain on Fando with Durham Smite, Waddle, Marvin, and Lawrence. Did you do a showdown uh, article? Uh, I, do a, I do a showdown matchups article where I just I do some quick bullet point notes about some of my favorite plays, how I'm seeing the slate. And you guys, this, that's why we do that. Thank you so much for sending that, that message. Really appreciate it. So happy to hear that you want some cash. Let's keep the good times rolling. Oh, wait. Below it, he said, never mind. JK, crappy advice. Oh, I'm oh. joking. I'm telling you, he didn't say that. <laughs> I was like, all right, well, you got me, man. <laughs> that's the uh, that's the loppy mute button of chat. Yeah, yeah, right yeah, there. exactly. <laughs> exactly. Hey, guys, can we get to 100 likes? That'd be awesome. We're 29 away from that. I know basketball is happening, but we're doing football no matter what, staying free every single day of the week. Matt and I will do this every Thursday, hopefully giving you uh, the best advice you can get from a matchup standpoint, breaking every game down. That's all we ask. Subscribe to the channel. Hit that thumbs up. And if you want to join, hit that join down below. Join the team awesome up. Become one of us. Become one of the guys. All right. What else do we have? Is there anything else you want to even hit on with this game? Well, we got to at least talk about the Patriots. I mean, Mac Jones, QB 14 in projection, QB 15 in salary. That's a value. Will Jacoby Myers score this week for the first time in his career? I mean, at this point, the no bet is the way we're going until proven otherwise. But yeah, I mean, that's really what sticks out here the most is that Jacoby Myers is the wide receiver 13 in projection and still outside the top 20 in salary. But guys, you need touchdowns to have tournament effective scores here. And Jacoby Myers can look fine for cash games. And I'm not going to chide you for playing him in those situations. But what are the odds that a guy who's never scored two touchdowns scores two here? Never scored one touchdown scores two here? I guess because it's the Jets' defense, anything is possible. But they haven't been terrible like they were last season. In that schedule-adjusted fantasy points allowed metric I've been referring to, they're just below average, just below average. So they're really not – we're not changing our projections at all here. The one player I kind of like – in a tournament setting might be Nelson Aguilar because if there is someone who's going to have a long unexpected touchdown who is low owned and under 4k so that you know we talked earlier about having a contrarian option early so that you can get chalky later Aguilar is someone I look I, I could look at but still we're talking about wide receiver 41 in expected fantasy points and playing underneath expectations so it's, it's a low probability for both teams Matt, you know what the gambler's fallacy is, right? Yeah, of course. Okay. Is that, and for anybody wondering, it's essentially the belief that that an outcome uh, is more likely to happen because it hasn't happened in the past, despite the fact that past has no impact on the probability of it happening again. Like, a, like, a, like you flip a coin a hundred times and it's landed on heads 70% of the time. It must be landing on tails more. No, means nothing. Like, are we just in a gambler's fallacy now with Jacoby Myers, assuming that because it hasn't, he hasn't scored in the past, he must be scoring in the future? Or are we just doomed to failure each and every week? I mean, there's nothing preventing him from scoring a touchdown more so than any other player. I know. <laughs> I know, but it feels – I'm obviously being – it's tongue-in-cheek, but, like, it certainly feels like it's just never going to happen. I know. I know. And, you know, the real question is – 
what do you have in your liquor cabinet? Or if you don't drink, <laughs> what do you have in your fridge that you pop open once Jacoby Myers, whether you care about the Patriots or not, once that man finds the end zone? Because if you look at the yardage, his just career production, he should have multiple touchdowns. It just hasn't happened yet. One of the big cosmic jokes of the NFL player pool right now. No doubt. And um, yeah, he, he had one called back last week, if you remember. But Hugo Brutal. said in, in quotes, he's due. Yeah, exactly. The, the he's due narrative, Matt. He's been due since 2018. I don't know. Soon enough. But you're right. There's nothing to suggest he can't score. All right. We got four games to go. We're about to hit on this four o'clock wave of games. Hit that thumbs up. But first, Jordan, we got to shout out everybody that has taken down some monster prizes this week. Now, I need you to bear with me here, Jordan. I don't have my other computer died, right? I don't have the other setup. So I'm going to go through them and I'm just going to rely on you to do this quickly and we'll get through it. But I want to shout out everyone who's gotten their wins. This is the Awesome Hall of Fame segment. If you're new to it, well, if you've won using the Awesome Avatar, we want to shout you out and brag for you. And if you come in a top three in a field of 5,000 or more, you get a free month of Awesome Plus. All you have to do is tag at Awesome HOF, Awesome Hall of Fame on Twitter. And of course, include Matt and myself as well, because we like to see these wins with your win, screenshot of your win, and then we'll get in touch with you. And of course, you'll get your free month and you'll get shouted out right here on the Hall of Fame. So here it is, Big Daddy 7420, chopping this showdown slate. The, no, I'm sorry, this was not showdown. This was NBA two-game slate to open the season. $60,000 with the awesome avatar that is sexy. Perez Racing, too, $2,000. Uh, what was this? The, another NBA slate. I love it. Congratulations. And then here's Peter Hanley. Once again, this guy just crushing 50K, first place, NFL, ridiculous lineup. And CeeDee Lamb got him there on the final play of the final game, final play on the four o'clock slate of games. Short Gamer TV. Where does that font come from? I never understood that. Maybe one of you guys could tell me. I think it looks goofy, but I don't think the $62,000 winning on $620 entry looks goofy. So congrats to you. That is huge. I hadn't even seen that one yet. It's insane. Uh, he said, loss of words, Osmo. Thanks to Osmo and the crew. Run through these. First Vandal um, seat locked up there. Mangler locks up a seat in NBA on the opening night. And then a little Yahoo action over here. 724 plus the YFFC live entry. My God, we have people crushing lately. And then Sham. Seriously. I, I know. I'll take it. Like I'm running out of breath. Says I'll take an NBA opening night first place chop. Congrats to you, man. I see you around here a lot. Appreciate your support. We want to shout you guys out. We want to give you those free subs. Use the awesome avatar. Go to awesome.com slash avatar. Get it done, baby. That's got my God. Just some huge wins, Matt. Yeah. I, hey, what can we say? That's one of the reasons I, I was thinking about this earlier. As you were saying, we always keep this YouTube stuff free. And boy, do we love giving it to you guys. But that's one of the reasons we can is because the numbers, when you go and you subscribe to Awesomeo and you get these numbers, the results speak for themselves. Just awesome to see you guys crushing it. Yeah, and you know what? The Rams are going to feel awesome this week when they crush Detroit because <laughs> I don't see this game is just going to get out of control. And for what it's worth, you can miss me with the whole Matthew Stafford revenge narrative. Same with DeAndre Hopkins. They should be, they should be sending these teams 
gifts galore every day just show up at their doorstep thanking them for being so gracious and and for and for being so gratuitous matt now for being so gracious to to get them away from the teams that they were once at you have two legitimate super bowl contenders as 16 plus point favorites this week against their former teams spare me with the revenge narrative matt and let's just talk about the fact that daryl henderson's in an absolute smash spot along with cooper cup to robert woods and everyone else in this offense yeah yeah they really are and you know it's one of those things too where i wasn't on a stafford henderson cooper cup stack last week but my goodness as that thing was blown up last weekend you could see that thing from a mile away fantasy football doesn't always have to be hard i know the chalk won't always hit the obvious won't always hit like that but the obvious isn't a bad play just because it's obvious and you're absolutely right matt stafford does not need any narrative or anything neither does jared goff they don't have you know we talk a lot uh, you know about uh what is it uh locker room material bullet board material firing people up that's hogwash for the media to talk about <laughs> these players are complete professionals and i'll tell you what the professional football team in LA is a lot more equipped to win football games than the professional team in Detroit. So we're going back to the well with Matthew Stafford, projection ahead of salary-based expectations. We're going back to the well with Cooper Cup, projection ahead of salary-based expectations. The same can be said for Robert Woods. The same can be said for Daryl Henderson. The same can even be said for auxiliary players like Tyler Higbee or even Sony Michelle. If you're trying to get weird in a tournament and that's the way you want to play it, I'm fine with Van Jefferson. We could see a Deshaun Jackson. All he needs is one catch to go crazy. And this is yep. a terrible Detroit Lions secondary. One thing I do want to mention is that the secondary stats for Detroit, they're real bad. Number 32 in the NFL in yards allowed per attempt. That's dead last. Don't have to tell you guys that. But the fantasy points comparison, when I'm looking at schedule adjusted fantasy points, they're actually giving up a lot of those passing yards to running backs. So Daryl Henderson, once again, looks really, really solid in terms of running back funnels. Detroit actually looks like one of the biggest running back funnels because they're giving up so many touchdowns and chunk plays through the air to running backs, specifically Daryl Henderson, easily, easily my favorite running back this week. They've allowed six receiving touchdowns to running backs already, Matt. 12 total, six through the air, six on the ground. I'm so glad you brought that up because look what Aaron Jones did to them through the air. Look what Joe Mixon on fourth and short did to them through the air. 40-plus yard touchdown. It, they have got, coughed up an insane amount of production through the air to running backs. I love Daryl Henderson this week. I really don't care if he's going to be popular. This is an absolute smash spot. I think his price tag is reasonable. And Detroit, yes, their secondary is bad, but their offense is so pitiful that it doesn't matter because teams are just going to run the ball down their throat every single week. And if they're not doing that, they can feature them in the passing game. I love Henderson. I love Cup Woods. You mentioned Van Jefferson, 100%. All he needs is one or two. Listen, he had a drop touchdown the other day in the red zone. Could have made a big difference two weeks ago. Deshaun Jackson, you might get a zero from him, but in a tournament, if you get 20 because he had 250-plus yard touchdowns and nobody else is on him, you're going to like that as well across the board. I love this team. On the other side, though, I've got to be honest with you. Maybe a little Hawkinson hoping for some positive regression. DeAndre Swift, I, I guess, but... I'm, I'm not really enamored with, with, I think you could play this team without it. I think you can stack the Rams without any necessary runbacks. What about you? 
Yeah, I think that's a possibility. You can, this is, this afternoon slate in week seven is one of the biggest candidates for onslaught stacks. That's where we're just playing a ton of players from one team that is going, that we believe is going to destroy the other team. I can't think of another week where you have multiple solid onslaught stacks available to you in the afternoon specifically. Um, I want to, I do want to get to Clayton Eskew's question here. Would you consider a Rams stack without Stafford? Maybe use Hertz Goddard instead of Henderson and or Cup Woods. I don't know if a player like Cup gets to their ceiling without a player like Stafford getting close to his. But especially if you're playing Henderson, you don't need to play Stafford. And if you are going to play something like Henderson and Cup or Henderson and Woods and you're not going to play Stafford, definitely go for a Russian quarterback who essentially has that chance to break the slate with their rushing upside. Switching back over to the Lions. Now, hold though. on, that's a that is. I don't want to. I don't want to gloss over okay. that. That's a great point. Like if you went with a Lamar Jackson there and didn't stack Jackson with anybody, but you had Daryl Henderson and and Cooper Cup, and you just hope they do something similar to what AJ Brown and Derrick Henry could do in Tennessee. It is a little different though because they have more options. Uh, you're right. Get a quarterback that can do a ton of that without relying on his pass catchers, or you do it. You do a, a a secondary stack where it's like. You have, you, you have those two guys, but then you could play a quarterback with, with one of his pass catchers, like Lamar with Bateman or Marquise Brown. I just I wanted to, to, to follow up on that because it's a great point, Matt. If you have a rushing quarterback and, and, and you're not starting the quarterback, but you're starting multiple players from that team, that's one great way to do it. Yeah, yeah. Thank, thanks for elaborating there. I do think we got to look at DeAndre Swift here. Number two uh, at his position in expected fantasy points per game, on a bad team, he's just getting the usage that we need from a running back. And actually, if we look at that value metric that I've been referring to a couple times, salary per expected fantasy point, DeAndre Swift actually comes in at RB4 on the slate, tied with Daryl Williams. So I do think that in terms of what we can expect him to get, even in this poor game script, I don't think they're going to abandon him entirely if they're down by multiple touchdowns. They're just going to be dumping it off to him. Um, but really, I'm looking at TJ Hawkinson, I'm looking at Swift, and then I'm probably not playing anybody else. I was actually seeing, uh, as I was looking at what prize picks uh, plays I wanted to offer for everyone, that one of the highest expected win rates of any bet this week is the under on Jared Goff's passing yards. Really? All right. That we're not so bullish on the man this week. I don't think we should be at all. I really don't. I mean... God, did Daniel Jones get eaten alive last week or what? I think he had negative fantasy points in going into the fourth quarter. Yeah, and I'm pretty sure he also had interceptions on three consecutive drives. So not not a good way to, to maintain a pace with a team like the Rams. But um, let's keep moving, Matt. Mm-hmm. Let's keep doing this. We got uh, – and we both agree the Rams just – you know, load up on them. The game has a 50 point total and they're 16 point favorites. You do the math there, folks. That means they have a very high implied total 33 points highest on the slate. Lock that up. Philadelphia, Las Vegas heading out there to face the Raiders only field goal dogs on the road, which was actually kind of surprising to me here against the four and two Raiders team. That's kind of been up and down, but Philly just, offensively has really struggled until late in games. They pulled out a sneaky win against Carolina, but against good teams, they've been smoked. I will say though, every week, Jalen hurts 
figures out a way, Matt. And at this point, I don't care how he does it. It doesn't matter to me how he does it, as a matter of fact. Whether it's garbage time, whether it's in the first, second, third quarter, doesn't really matter. He's involved in everything. He's really their goal line back at this point, and he's getting the job done. And as far as Miles Sanders goes, you got the Philly Oak offensive coordinator talking about how you got to get him more involved. It is so frustrating, and I have had far – I have not had much success with Miles Sanders in season long this year, but I've, I've been off of him pretty much in DFS. I'm going back to him a little bit this week. I think there is some upside for Miles Sanders at 5,100, assuming his ownership comes in low enough. They need to get him involved, and I wouldn't be surprised if people start getting the ax in the event that their best overall skill player continues to be underutilized in this offense. And I'll have some Devontae Smith as well. None of these guys are priority options for me, but I do think this game actually has some sneaky shootout potential. Uh, absolutely with the sneaky shootout potential. And it's funny, we usually talk about coach speak because it doesn't mean anything. This coach speak is probably a little bit truer because those coaches are trying to save their jobs. Mm -hmm. I don't know what else you can say here. I know we got some Philly people, including you, Lofty, who kind of add a little mix from the beat writers in town. This doesn't look good for this team right now. But I got to say, with Jalen Hurts specifically, there isn't a larger discrepancy between how fantasy football is scored and how real football is played than Jalen Hurts right now. Jalen Hurts is not playing great real football by any means right now. Last week, I know know it was the Tampa Bay defense, but they haven't been strong, especially in the secondary. Last week, Jalen Hurts had a 46% completion percentage (laughs) for 115 passing yards. 4.4 yards per attempt. That's atrocious. Meanwhile, he's third in the NFL in expected fantasy points at his position and fifth among all quarterbacks in points per game. All he does is produce top 10 fantasy performances because of his legs. QB6, QB10, QB10, QB4, QB7, QB5. It's ridiculous. And I said on the Osmo Fantasy Football channel, last Friday that in dynasty leagues, I think you need to be thinking seriously about moving on because you can get a haul for him because I'm not sure he's a starting quarterback long-term, but back to this one game slate here, Las Vegas's offense has shown up not every week, but many weeks. And if, if Las Vegas shows up as an offense and the Philly defense is the middling performers that we've seen so far, then Jalen hurts once again, will find himself in a pass heavy fantasy-friendly game script, which leads us to please give the ball to Miles Sanders more. Please get the ball to your new tight end one, period, Dallas Goddard. And please keep Devonta Smith more involved. He should be way above wide receiver 23 in expected fantasy points. I still like him at 5,400, but he needs to be more involved than he currently is. I agree. Would you rather have Sterling Shepard or Devonta Smith this week? Oh, gosh. Oh, see, Devonta well, Smith, the, the player is someone I'm so much higher on, has so much yeah. more potential. But Sterling Shepard has multiple 20 point games this season. And if Kadarius Tony's out, I don't know who else they lean on here. It's, it's Shepard for me, too. Uh, in full PPR, of course, like if you're talking DraftKings, he has nine. I'm sorry, he has three games over 17 and one right. over 24. Yeah. And he has. Uh, in game three, in week three, he got hurt against Atlanta. So I'm not even including that, right? If, if, if you were to say, all right, well, there's no point of talking about a game where he was injured, saw three, uh, 
saw three targets, but only played was it? Yeah, 34% of the snaps, right? So mm -hmm. uh, in those other games, he's seen nine, 10, and 14 targets. And all of these targets are just high percentage targets. So yeah, for me, it would be Sterling Shepard. I don't know if Slayton's going to play, but Slayton's the guy they're going to air it out to deep anyway. And Evan Ingram's just been uh, a colossal disappointment. So I'd go Shepard there. But I want some Miles Sanders. I do. And if you're going Jalen Hurts, I got no problem with that. Let me, did you mention Goddard by any chance? Oh, I, that's who I want to talk about. So I'm so, glad you said it. Yeah. Zach Ertz and Goddard had essentially run the same amount of routes from weeks three through five. Goddard was out in week six on the COVID-19 list. He has been activated today. And while we were doing the show, we got that news. They don't run as many two tight end sets as they used to. 22% of the time in 12 personnel. So there wasn't as much overlap at tight end. Now, Tyree Jackson's a converted quarterback. To tight end he was on the ir he has a chance to practice but he's not going to play this week and then jack stall is the other guy so dallas goddard went from being in a 50 50 timeshare in terms of opportunity on the field but zach or zach Ertz had been targeted 21 to 12 over him in those three weeks since he was kind of reintegrated back into the offense so what i'm saying here is it's very possible that goddard starts playing like almost all of the snaps running most routes on dropbacks and being targeted a lot more than he was the Zach Ertz departure to Arizona is a huge boon for, uh, for Dallas Goddard. And we can't, I can't really over even overstate that. Absolutely. And in terms of player with the highest projection versus salary base expectations, there's no player that looks better in that regard than Dallas Goddard. I'm really excited to see what he can do with this tight end one role. And as I said in a previous show, this is him playing for a big contract. If he produces, he's getting one. I'm with you. What about the Raiders? Can we finally see a 20 carry game from Josh Jacobs, given that, I mean, Matt, the Eagles in time, in terms of time of possession, they're 30th in the league. They're like 27th in play, offensive plays run. They're allowing the seventh most plays run per game to opponents, which makes sense when they don't have the football very often. I know their run defense isn't that inefficient, but they just give up so many carries and so many yards because teams just run it down their throat and maintain possession against them because the Eagles can't hold on to the ball themselves. Yep. In schedule adjusted fantasy points allowed, the Eagles are actually pretty good in that metric. They're actually second among all defenses on the slate. But I have another metric that compares their ability against wide receivers and tight ends versus running backs. And just as you would suspect, running backs are dominating against them comparative, comparatively to the receiving options like wide receiver and tight end. So if Josh Jacobs gets a full workload that we've seen him creeping up towards getting 20 opportunities in week five, 17 opportunities in week six, I could see it happening here. Right now, he has a projection that's right in line with his RB7 salary-based expectations. So we are seeing that salary come up, on least, at least on DraftKings. But like you said, they're starting to move towards an every-down role for him. He's inside the top 10 among all running backs and expected fantasy points and over expectation per game. That's, that's usually a signal that he's playing pretty well. And while Kenyon Drake is still somewhat involved, I absolutely think you could play Josh Jacobs against the Philly defense that clearly their weak spot is the running back. Not going to yep. go away from Darren Waller just because of that. But Darren Waller is a lower priority play for me. And then Henry Ruggs and Hunter Renfro. Actually, I, I should mention, sorry, Hunter Renfro 
has a projection right now inside the top 17 wide receivers and a $4,800 salary on DraftKings. Yeah, that is interesting. I, I, I guess the one thing I want to ask you about this team before we move on, and we'll have, what, two games to go? Darren Waller, you talked about him a little bit. 19 targets in the first game. Remember, he had, I'm not making this up, I think it was a 60% target share in the first half of that week one game. Uh, 19 targets. Since then, since that game, five games, he has, what, seven, 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 eight, and five. So it's not that he isn't involved, but they're spreading the ball out a lot more recently. And, and I do worry that the times of Darren Waller, you know, 30% target share might be over, Matt. I think you might be right. Now, look, if they have a matchup they like, like they did against Baltimore, well, they'll Pepper. just go to him over and over and over again. And there's only so many receivers, tight end or not, that teams will feel comfortable doing that all game long. Waller is in that category. So he's never out of your player pool for that reason. But we've seen seven or less targets for your number one option in five of the last six games, four of the last five games, excuse me, after that 19-point game there. And that's just not enough usage when you're talking about a tight end who's 6,700 in salary. In that salary per expected fantasy point metric I've referred to, he's actually only seventh among tight ends so in that regard he kind of looks like a little bit of an expensive tight end at least from a per expected fantasy point measure could they win this game easily could they score a lot of points yes but there are just better plays in his salary range for me this week that simple i'm with you 20 percent target share since week two that worries me worries me a little bit they're moving the ball okay yeah right you got rugs Who's been better? You got Renfro as Matt, you mentioned Brian Edwards, like that kind of sucks, but could he explode against them this week? Yeah, of course he could. It's just, will they need to use him that heavily? I, I think in these games where they're playing from behind, you might see more going to Darren Waller just as a safety blanket, but yeah, I'm, I'm having a tough time feeling awesome about that. Although tight end is not the deepest position. So Matt, two games to go. Let's talk Chicago, Tampa Bay. Another huge spread. The Bears, 13-point dogs on the road against the Bucs, who are just essentially steamrolling teams at this point. It, Khalil Herbert was great last week. That was fun to watch. But now you've got Damian Williams still on the COVID-19 list. Um, I don't know if he's coming off of this. So if that's the case, I mean, are, are we looking at Khalil Herbert being an option this week? Or should we be saying against Tampa Bay, you're not running on them. The only way he gets there is through the air. Yeah. The concern here is that if Williams comes back, is it a timeshare to the point where with the way that Tampa Bay is able to stop opposing running backs on the ground and we don't know who's getting the passing work, then we got to get two things right. The running backs have to be more effective than expected against uh, the Tampa Bay defense in a bad game script. And we have to guess who actually gets those targets. We did see 20 routes run last week for Herbert on top of 19 carries. He earned three targets. That's a full running back workload. 
if Williams, who, by the way, he tested positive. I think him and Samaje Pirine went on the COVID-19 list within a day of each other. Pirine was a close contact. Williams tested positive. Correct. So that makes a that makes a big difference there in their ability to come back. I think P Ryan got activated this morning, if I'm not mistaken. But Herbert was pretty effective as a as an overall player last week. He ended up as the running back 11 overall with that high usage, 112 total yards. We saw 28.6% juke rate. That's evaded tackles per touch. That's inside the top 25 running backs. I think this guy can play. Now I'm not saying Damian Williams can't. And I'm not saying you're suddenly playing a Bears running back in this bad game script, but I think this is as good a time as any to talk about how contrarian you might need to be in this afternoon slate if your early picks go awry here. One thing that these high spread games will affect is the amount of overall ownership of these high under these big, big underdog players. So if you're really in trouble, your lineups are dead in the water after the 1 p.m.s switch to these Bears players, switch to these Lions players. It was going to be a losing day anyway if you have the chop, but because these are such big underdogs and it's going to freak people out, you're going to see suppressed ownership across the board, even after an RB11 performance, under 4% expected ownership for Khalil Herbert. Now, I know some of that is because Williams is projected in right now, but people are nervous. And if you get another top 10 performance out of him or something like that all alone, that's how you get to the top of a tournament. And of course, run it back with some pass catchers from one of the best offenses we've seen in a long time. Did you mention how many percent of snaps Killer Herbert played last week? Uh, wasn't it over 90? Yeah, 90%. I just wasn't sure if you mentioned I was reading chat, but yeah, 90% of snaps for Khalil Herbert. That's pretty good. I mean, he's clearly, they're just going to use him. You and I talked about it last week, like Ryan Nall, who else are they going to use? It's clearly, and we found that out firsthand, it is absolutely Khalil Herbert. Ran 30 routes in that game as well on how many dropbacks? I'm guessing not a lot of dropbacks because it's Justin Fields. Yeah, 30, 30 routes on 37 dropbacks, Matt. So 90% of snaps, ran a route on 81% of dropbacks and carried the ball 19 times in a loss to Green Bay. I don't love the rushing matchup, but I totally get what you're saying here. I do. If he's going to be on the field for every snap, almost going to have to be involved. And he's probably going to get very, very little ownership, even at that price. I still like Devonte Booker over him a lot more at the salary, but you know, you guys get it. Any, any interest in the passing weapons here for Chicago weapons? I, I, I use that term lightly, Matt, or loosely. I just asked why in the world was Allen Robinson franchised? Why did they place the franchise tag on? I don't know. It's like can't he, he did just something be somewhere. Awful. Yeah, can he just be somewhere catching passes? At least we saw him get a large amount of air yards last week, but they're not good air yards. What do they call them? Spare yards. Uh, prairie yards. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, prairie yards. And look, you know, a projection of wide receiver nineteen with a wide receiver twenty-four salary is fine, but. I'm hurt here. I'm hurt here with Allen Robinson. <laughs> I, I I really want him to go somewhere with a decent quarterback. And I'm not saying Justin Fields can't turn it around over the course of the season, but I think I'd rather play Darnell Mooney at a cheaper salary if I'm going for an off-the-wall Bears option just because it's going to save me more and let me get up to more premium players at the other positions. I guess Cole Komet at 3K, we could do something like that. But really what you're saying is that the Buccaneers score so much 
that they can let their foot off the pedal defensively and the Bears score a little bit to make this game respectable. I, I just don't see any way Chicago pulls off an actual victory, which means that the likelihood of multiple scores on running these pass catchers, I, I just don't, just don't see it. I'll give you the one silver lining with Allen Robinson, and you already kind of hit on it with the air yards. So Allen Robinson in weeks one through five, Matt, had four deep targets, 20-plus yards downfield, right? Four deep targets. Last week against Green Bay, Allen Robinson had five deep targets, more in one game than he did all season. Are we starting to see a change here? I don't know. Is it possible that they realize the idiotic usage of Allen Robinson can no longer uh, is no longer sustainable? It's possible. So against Tampa, a team that is going to funnel you to the pass every single time you play them, not just because their run defense is stifling, but also because their offense is that good. Oh, God, I might go back to a little bit of Allen Robinson, and it just makes me sick. Yeah, I totally get it. I I really, to be honest, Lafayette, I think that the Buccaneers' defense might end up being like the most – profitable play from this because they're just gonna they're gonna eat justin fields alive and you're gonna be like why did i why did i think about playing any bears that not saying that is the absolute most likely outcome but hey that's kind of how i'm seeing it you're probably right but but i'm dumb and i'm a sucker for for that he the area i mean that's a significant amount of downfield targets for robinson but you know what you're right like can you even get him the ball at this point i don't know Tough call. Would you rather play Robinson or Devontae Smith? Uh, Smith. Smith. Okay. Because at least we've seen it. Right. With Hurts with Hertz finding Smith. You know, he's had games with over 50% of the team's air yards and actually scoring touchdowns. And gosh, I'm, I'm going to be off Robinson when he finally hits, but that's what happens. Yeah. At this point, it's like Hilton last year. You, you just can't keep oh, going yeah. for that long. Matt, go ahead and break down the, the Bucks for me. We'll probably have pretty similar opinions here, so take it away. Uh, yeah, they're good. They are good. And Tom Brady is playing out of his mind. Uh, number two amongst quarterbacks in expected fantasy points, and he's scoring almost 1.5 fantasy points over expected per game. No one's really surprised there. They're second in the league in team expected fantasy points and number one in team combined flex fantasy points. There's a lot of fantasy goodness to go around here. And, you know, I see Mike Evans at a projection of wide receiver 26, but he's the wide receiver eight in salary. That doesn't mean he can't score three touchdowns in this matchup. And, same with Chris Godwin here. I actually think he's probably the best value seeing that his salary is now below Antonio Brown's. I mean, it's so it's a, it's almost annoying to see how well Antonio Brown is playing. Right now he's fourth among all wide receivers playing on this slate in DraftKings points per game. Still just 10th in salary. So obviously you can play him. And uh, Gronkowski, I believe, hasn't practiced yet. But if he's in... He's he's viable because he's going to get red zone targets. Last game here. Yosef Ramirez says, is there going to be a I survived week se- the week seven matchup show t-shirt? <laughs> I, I, I would rock. It would have to be like I survived the marathon matchup show t-shirt or something like that. We, do, to- we need like a we need like a hashtag. Huh? Hey, you guys help us out. Figure out what we need to what this needs uh, and we'll maybe we'll create some merch for it. 
Dude, I would rock those shirts, Matt, wouldn't you? Me too, absolutely. All right, think of the if anyone comes up with something, you can tweet us too at Lafayette underscore D uh, at Draftaholic. Let us know what you can. I, I will. We will get them made. We will get them made. For that sure. would be fun as hell. Yeah. I will rock those shirts. Let's close it out, Matt. We'll get Jordan out of here. He's got a long day. Oh, sorry. I got to say one more thing about this one. Leonard Fournette. See, Jordan, this guy, just no respect. Yeah, I know. I'm the problem child. I get it. I get it. But Leonard Fournette, one of the best value plays, uh, such a high total. If you look at that salary per expected fantasy points, no running back looks better right now than Leonard Fournette. Yes, could the passing game gobble up all the touchdowns? Sure. But I think he's a great, great value at 6,400. So let me save a little bit of time for everybody here when it comes to Houston. This is our last game. Houston at Arizona. They are 17 and a half point dogs. 17 and a half point dogs. Just a truly atrocious football team. They have a implied total right now of 14.75. It's the lowest on the slate by almost three points. And Detroit's playing the Rams. Okay. But I'm still usually willing to get to Brandon Cooks, not this game. I just don't know if the touchdown equity is there. I know his target share is wonderful, but they basically have a two touchdown implied total. His price has come up, uh, crossed that 6K threshold again. I'm just off of Houston almost entirely here. Unless you're doing a Arizona stack and you want the run back, Cooks is your obvious answer there. But I'm just worried that even with the, the, the massive target share and volume and PPR production, Matt, he needs to score for you to win tournaments with him. And I don't know if he's going to. Hey, we've seen long touchdowns against decent defenses from this offense before. Oh, and know, we've seen but... them. We've seen them beat 41, nothing going to a team with a 14, with a 14 and a half point total. Well, 14.75 is as contrarian as one could be. The only reason you're here is because your 1 p.m.s went so horrible <laughs> that you need to do something incredibly different. And so if that's the case, I just want to point out that Chris Moore has scored long touchdowns. Brandon Cooks has gobbled up targets in a way where he's sixth in expected fantasy points. And beyond that, you're probably not touching anyone. If you need to go somewhere in this game, you've probably wandered off the path too far, is really how it goes. Are you playing any of these tight end options? Are you playing Nico Collins yet? I mean, if you do, tell me how it goes because I won't be there with you. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and yes, thank you for reminding me, Brian. He said, did Chicago beat Tampa Bay last year? Yeah, 20 to 19. I had just was massively live betting tampa bay during that game just massively live betting tampa bay I'm like there's no way they don't come oh, back. oh is that this game this yes game yes, yes. Oh, yeah, that yeah, was yeah. The, the wrong down yes just, yes oh my god man got crushed on that game so i remember that vividly uh i'm not banking on that happening again this year and a one game sample size is not enough for me matt time to wrap this one up arizona um dude james connor james connor is is if I told you right now, you probably wouldn't believe me, even though you know it. He's second in the league in rushing touchdowns with five behind Derrick Henry with 10. Uh, he, <laughs> is that crazy? Right? Like, he's got two times as much as the next closest player. He's 15th 
in carries, and he has outcarried Chase Edmonds, who has only 10 carries over the last two games. I don't know if the guy's shoulder injury is bothering him, but this sets up as almost 18-point favorites as another James Conner game. It's just he has no pass-catching upside. He is five for seven on goal line opportunities with all five touchdowns beginning at the goal line. There is a way for him to get here, but I kind of just want to fade this whole backfield. What are you doing with them and with the pass catchers? Ooh, I kind of like this backfield because of the fact that there's two options. It scares me too, and I think that's going to keep people off of it. You're right. And right now, Chase Edmonds looks like such an interesting player to me. And I can't deny, James Conner has 19 red zone touches over three per game. That's top 10 amongst all running backs in the NFL. It's eighth right now. So that's nothing to scoff at. And credit to you, Lafay. You said it all summer long that that's why they brought in James Conner to be that red zone hammer to balance the fact that Kyler Murray can also be effective as a rusher down there. We haven't seen Chase Edmonds get the opportunities by any stretch near the goal line. Still, 10th in expected fantasy points per game. That's not a player I'm going to move away from, especially when he's fourth amongst all players at his position in projections. But I'm really, really concerned about playing the wide receivers, even in this fantastic spot. So, and that's really because they just spread the ball around so much. So I have to kind of decide where I'm going to place my bets. They all sort of feel like dart throws beyond Hopkins. So I actually think I like the running backs here, either one. And and Connor at 5,600, yeah, it's a different play than a player like Devontae Booker at 5,500 because you're going to get so many less touches. The hope here is that the touches Connor does get are way, way more valuable. So I don't hate it. I, I just, here's my big concern. With Zach Ertz probably playing, not a full snap share, does this passing offense spread out even more than it already is? We've seen multiple players have big games here. Rondell Moore, Christian Kirk, A.J. Green, legit career resurgence. And, of course, DeAndre Hopkins with a 19 fantasy point game or 19 FanDuel point game last uh, last week there. So uh, there's no one I dislike, but I think Chase Edmonds out of the whole group is actually my favorite. Okay, fair. You know, I tweeted this yesterday. uh, Just very basic stats, but interesting nonetheless, just to give you an idea of how DeAndre Hopkins has been used. He's 51st in targets. He's 45th in receptions. He's 30th in yards. He's first in red zone touchdowns, fourth in red zone targets, and second in receiving touchdowns. He's, someone said, so he's Gronk. Yeah, kind of. He's kind of been used like a, like a touchdown dependent tight end this year. And it sucks. Now they bring Zach Ertz in uh, and that kind of sucks even worse. And it, it, AJ Green, you 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 nailed it, man. A lot of these guys are having. Are, are, AJ Green has six red targets inside the red zone, or inside the ten. I'm sorry, that's third most in the entire NFL. Okay, one more than DeAndre Hopkins. There's just nothing here that I can hang my hat on and feel confident right now. So, I'd lean Connor. I'd get Edmonds though. It sickens me to think that there's nothing I feel great about in this Arizona offense. That's what sucks. I know, right? It it feels like somebody hits here, but from a real football standpoint, this is what Cliff Kingsbury was literally brought in to do offensively. The air raid offense is known for spreading the ball around and requiring 
that defense gets spread out by multiple talented receivers. They've accumulated the assets now. They have that offense. They have, they are, they are going to run the mesh concept like no other team has run it before. And you know what? People tried to write it off after a few tough years, but this Arizona team looking really good with this new, uh, newfangled offensive scheme that I think is going to keep rolling here against the Texans. Well, Matt, you know what? I think it's about time to, uh, to say we've survived the marathon matchup show for week seven. We made it we've, through. We've reached the end of the road. Jordan Klein is about to fall over into his soup. And uh, I don't know why he's eating soup during a stream, but. Isn't it 9 a.m. where you are? 9 a.m. soup? He's not eating soup. I'm just, <laughs> I don't know. Uh, hit that thumbs up if you survived the stream and you're still conscious. We've got still 315 people watching. You guys are the greatest, for real. Appreciate you hanging with us every single Thursday. This is a blast. Be sure to check out the strategy show for NBA. We did the NFL showdown strategy show this morning. That's out, too. Then you got basketball, baseball, or basketball, deeper dive, live before lock tonight, starting at 5. And then the live before lock for NFL, up leading you up to the wicked, awesome Broncos-Cleveland game, where one team is literally down almost all of their skill players. But still... Money to be made, which means we'll be here. Hit Matt up at Draftaholic, myself at Lafayette underscore D, and we'll catch you back here next week on the Marathon Matchup Show, presented by Prize Picks. Peace. See ya.